head into the Ringerverse to stay up to date with all things superheroes and nerd culture entertainment. Hosted by a rotating lineup of superfans at the Ringer, including Mallory Rubin and Van Lathan, shows will provide instant reactions to blockbuster releases, insightful backstories on canon, and mind-bending theories, as well as fresh takes on the latest news and rumors. Check out the Ringerverse on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Listeners, welcome. This is Sound Only. I'm Justin Charity. And I'm Micah Peters. We're your Sound Only co-host, here to record our deepest, darkest thoughts about... Yasuke, but also we're going to talk about the PlayStation 5. Because we forgot to mention... Like, let's talk about ago. it. Yeah, let's let's talk about it. We, yeah, we both have is... PlayStation 5s. And we hope you do too, listeners. If you're into that kind of thing. Yeah, you know, it's been a long, arduous, confusing, and annoying journey that I was much too pretty for. But we finally <laughs> both have... We finally both have PS5s. How did you get yours? Like, how did you? How did, how did I, you I, I outsourced this. I finally got to the point where I like, because I, I know that you saw me like tweet, like, I am, it is, I am not downloading a third party app to tell me when <laughs> there might be a restock of PS5 so that I can sit in line for two hours and get all the way to the end and still not get a PS5. So I, I outsourced the, the the labor to somebody after like failing at a Best Buy restock twice. And I it was literally like I gave a friend of a friend $150 on top of like the like the base like $500 price to get my PS5 eventually. Wow. I mean like it, and he sorted it out in 3 days. That that's like that was crazy. You got the concierge service. You got the white yeah, glove I got the, PS5. I got the white glove PS5. It's 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 late capitalism, but whatever, you know. So to to your point about being far too pretty for this, right? For me, there were those <laughs> stages of realizing that I was not too good for this process. Because in the beginning, right? You remember when the the what was it November when the PS five? Oh yes, started this the depths of our despair. Right. I think we we each told ourselves like, oh man, we go we'll just get one casually. Super casually. And then the next thing you know, you look down at your phone and you've downloaded the Best Buy app, the Target app, the Walmart app, <laughs> you know, and you're, and you've, 
you have gone through all the stages to set up accounts at these stores that you otherwise don't care about, that you otherwise don't want to give your data to, and you put all your credit card information in there, and they and still, then you like, still don't, don't get a get PS5. It. <laughs> it's like it's it's like you know what. It is, it was just, it was so frustrating that for months, if you went to, if you Googled Sony PS5, there should be a way that you can click on a link to the PlayStation store and give them money for a PS5 that you get at some point in, you know, like a reasonable time frame. you know, that would make sense. But instead, if you click on Sony PS5 on like the, the actual playstation store website or whatever it just gives you a bunch of shit about their controller and like you know they games cop and that you please. Can they cop yeah, please they cop please <laughs> they cop please they were copping please on their own website no the worst part is if you went to sony direct right because sony sony they make the console Right. And that was the worst one because you would go to the Sony website and they would sort of put their fists in their hands and be like, all right, so let me tell all you, like, so, we got, so what happened at, at the factory was, nah, if you come see, back like, on Friday at 3 p.m. and maybe you stand in line, you know, they were copping please all over the sh- Sony website and it was insufferable. And you said frustrating, but I would say humiliating. Hey, hey, yeah, it's just like. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Humiliating. Humiliating <laughs> is the way that I would describe it. It's just kind of like, because it's just like, you're like, God, dick, what the fuck am I doing with my life that I can't, that I'm, that I'm letting this, you know, it's the same sort of abusive relationship that people have with the sneakers app. Yeah. It's just of kind of like, give, give up on Nike. You know, they don't love you. They don't, they don't love you. They don't care about you. They don't, they don't. It's, but it's not even that because with sneakers app stuff, right? It's sort of you miss a drop, you miss the drop, right? It is what it is. You're gonna have to move true. on. The PS5 is like no, there was an entire there's there's an entire attention economy around it, and there's like there is like I mean there are so many blog posts talking about when there might be a restock at Walmart for a PS5. There was this okay, there was this thing called any time that you would search like you know PS5 restock. One of the first uh, news items that would get returned is a constantly updated blog called Tom's Guide, which would just have like basically all of the information for the major the major third party retailers that were selling the PS5. Yeah, uh, down like our accurate like update type stuff. But he, like in January, I think it was. Like after three or three and a half or so months of doing this, which is kind of like why I like wrote a blog post like why I'm giving up the quest for PS5, <laughs> <laughs> which is just like the saddest progression of like I mean I'm sorry Tom no that you know, wasn't no there, no like, is, that was not the sad the saddest was the Kotaku post because there was a Kotaku post like a month ago and the, and the headline was something like. Man, why I like the new Xbox better anyway. (laughs) (laughs) There really really were so many, like, you know what? The Xbox is cool too. And they're doing, they're like, it's, they're doing all this stuff that makes it accessible for any type of player and so on and so forth. It's just kind of like convincing yourself that, like, you, you know, you like Kick Cereal, but you know what you really want. You brought kicks into it. No, don't do it to the rabbit. No. I'm, just, I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <sighs> um, I got mine. So 
you know, we we both were watching like the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, right? But forget Bucky Barnes, dog. I was following um Matt Swider at Tech Radar, like the dude who is just constantly every day since the pre-orders started for the PS5, who has been tweeting out and doing all kinds of guerrilla reporting at every hour of the day on when when the restocks and sales are happening. And I remember uh, when I finally got mine, it was because he'd sort of he pointed out when a target drop was happening. And he pointed out like three days. He was sort of reporting it like days in advance. Like it's going to happen at this time. It's going to go live. And sure enough, it did. And I had to drive to Queens, but I got my PS5. And shouts out to Matt Swider and Tech Radar. Um, but yeah, it was humiliating, man. I don't. And, and it's still the case. We're not. I mean, even even though we've had ours for a bit now, like if you like Google it's around, it's the, still like it really set in the box. Like it set in the <laughs> box, like in front of the like it just. I was just like, oh man. It's just like, it was like I had it and then I just felt ashamed about it, you know? <laughs> well, my, my, my was so funny because the morning that I got my, like the day before, right? I had written this, this piece for the Ringer website about how I had written about the whole sort of attention economy around the PS5 drop. And, you know, in the piece I was sort of arguing that this is kind of funny because you know, most of what you're going to do for the first six months of owning a PS5 is you're going to play PlayStation 4 games. <laughs> you know what yes, I mean? yes, exactly. It's there was there. It was you can watch or you can play Ghost of Tsushima with a greater flip with a greater frame rate. And, you know, it does look better. I'm not going to yeah, lie to you, it does. but, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I've honestly like FIFA 21 feels very strange on the PS5. Uh, like I still prefer playing it on the PS4. But yeah, I mean, like it was a bunch of like last gen games with updated graphics or updated frame rates. It wasn't like actual PS5 games. The only way that you could use like the uh, the adaptive trigger trigger technology like on the PS5 was using Astro's Playroom, like the the um it came with the, the system the it came free, with the system yeah yeah and i mean like it's 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 like a fun thing to play around in but it's not like you know it's not like you need a it's not the thing that you are buying a next gen console for yeah i was gonna say because most of what i had played on it on the playstation 5 is just street fighter 5 which i've been playing on playstation 4 and that's like an online multiplayer so that doesn't look better at all um but that was until this weekend when I started playing Returnal, oh. which we oh, are going yes. to talk about. <laughs> oh, yes. So Returnal, oh, yeah. we're going to get into this, but this is sort of where it all begins. This is where I first started feeling like, oh, this oh, this is a PlayStation 5. Oh, this is the Cinco. <laughs> oh, I see. I see. Oh, um, yeah. It was, it was definitely like I finally felt like I was playing on a new console yeah it definitely was like it was booting up Returnals made me feel like I was actually playing a PS5 Mike I'm gonna point out you say Returnal like Returnals like you old black grandmother talking about a grocery store chain Returnal Joe Biden's Joe Joe Biden's (laughs) Joe Biden's (laughs) why are you Joe they still if it's seven months into the PS5 rollout people still can't get it Joe Biden's need to do something about this this is messed up yeah you know 
But anyway, Returnal. We will talk me. about. Let's let's get into it because we want to talk about the first sort of major, I think, discussion worthy PS Five exclusive because I really like this game. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, let's get into it, bro. Returnal. Oh my god, how far are you into this game? <laughs> I mean, that is a difficult question to answer <laughs> for anyone that is for anyone that's played Returnal because. Should should I just should I just start explaining this? Yeah, explain. You want to explain what is Returnal? So the crucial thing about Returnal is that it actually starts the story where it begins, which is with you crash landing onto this planet called Atropos, and you're kind of you are this deep space explorer person. Like you don't have much information, despite the fact that you are a person named Celine wearing the spacesuit you know, from that, that Coop was wearing at the end of Interstellar, mm-hmm. um, exploring, and then you crash land onto a planet. And you don't even know what the name of the planet is until, like, the third or fourth time that you die. Like, uh, also, you die and you come back to life. Um, and every well, time you, that you die... Do you, well, you okay, s- you, I'll, I'll comply with that characterization. <laughs> I mean, like, okay, okay, all right. Maybe a better way of explaining it is that you kind of, when you crash land onto Atropos, this planet, um, which I guess I would describe, like, the planet as walking around on the seafloor, but there's no water. Like, that's the that's kind of yeah. like the way that yeah. mm-hmm. that the... That um, the ground looks at the flora and fauna look, but it's a rainy planet, and you basically need you're searching for the white shadow signal. Um, this is the 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 beacon that I guess pulled you towards this planet that you yeah. crash landed on. Yeah, and as you search, you begin to come across first um these. Well, first you come across your own dead body, um, and you're like, "What the what the hell's going on here?" And then you pick up your service weapon, and then you encounter these sorts of weird uh, tentacle monsters with alligator mouths, like the things that uh, are in Matrix Evolutions that like cut into the Nebuchadnezzar, um, and you got to shoot and kill them. And as you journey deeper into this world, you keep finding your own body. But as it goes on, there are kind of voice recordings that build out the world a little bit. And it's just kind of like there's this moment between death and rebirth where there are tentacles that pull you back down. And like, uh, well, eventually, before you even get to the title card, you encounter this big red tentacle monster that you can't really beat in the first uh like the first go around it kills you and then you end up back at the crash site and now you know that you're stuck in a loop returnal (laughs) yes and what i was challenging was the idea of rebirth right because i think it's more so that what's happening sort of the way it's framed is so let's say you're fighting through the world you're fighting these monsters and you die right celine dies i think it's more so the idea that like okay she died in that that branch of the loop. And then the next time, it's more like this is another branch of the loop where something else happens, right? So the idea, it, it, you, the game is very explicit about the idea that you are experiencing multiple lifetimes, 
right? It's multiple lifetimes. And I like that you described it as branches of the loop because it's not like a total groundhog day reset where you know where if you go through because there's no save there's no save feature in the game uh which we'll get into later um basically the entire objective of the game is searching for the white shadow signal and once you get there it stands to reason that that would be the end of the game but in the process of getting there, you have to overcome all these different obstacles. And as you, you know, die in the course of trying to overcome those obstacles, you end up back at the crash site. But once you go, once you leave the crash site again, the world changes. Right. Like it's, it's like once you go through the first gate, it's no longer the same path that you went down. So it's not like you can memorize everything that happens and, you know, run through perfectly. Right. Totally. Uh, the thing about the white shadow signal too, right, is that this isn't, it's not a game where it's sort of, oh, you're an astronaut and you're working in, you're working with this organization that sent you on a mission, right? Instead, you get the vibe that Celine is just very personally obsessive. And she's yes. like, I have to find the source of this signal, right? Yes. So it feels a lot more personal and a lot more defiant. And it's just, she's she's muttering to herself in these logs. You know, she sounds the a little way that crazed. It, yeah, yeah the, w- the way that I would, like, I just, I, like, really was reading it is, like, she's a lot like the biologist in Annihilation. Like, mm-hmm. it's, she's searching for the lighthouse, but you know that the lighthouse is a stand-in for some sort of deep personal discovery that you're eventually going to, like, come across. Yeah, and I will, I will say... We don't have to spoil the whole game or anything, but I will like I will hit at something that happens pretty early on in the sort of the first stage, which is like you're on this planet, obviously. There's there's certain elements of it that look earthly in the sense that it looks like you're in a forest, but it also looks like you said, right? It looks like the bottom of the sea, but with all the water drained out. And everything looks super alien until you you run across Celine's house in the middle of this alien planet. And you're like, wait, what? And you go inside and you're looking around and picking she, up stuff. Yeah. Putting stuff down. Pick, picking up the phone. <laughs> she got a PlayStation 5. So <laughs> um, and then that's when, yeah, and I think that's when you see this sort of faceless astronaut. So you're like, wait, is there another astronaut who's actually well, alive? You actually get the first glimpse of the, of the faceless astronaut the first time that you die. But right. it's like, br- That's what, but okay. it's brief. It's brief, right? right. And it, it's like you get, you kind of just get more information the more revolutions you make. Yes, yes. Um, and it's also so you do all this death and rebirth, and sort of the main, the main, I'd say checkpoints for the storyline, right, are the bosses in the game, um, because it's basically like you can you you can defeat the bosses once, right? And then even if you die after defeating the bosses, you don't have to go fight the bosses again. You you basically just get a key from them. And it's like, you already beat this boss. You can go on to the next part of the world. And so the world, you're kind of unpeeling it like an onion, to paraphrase Shrek, right? Like you're kind of, in the beginning, it's more like the bottom of the ocean, but then you get to a more arid desert biome. You know, and then you get to like there there are a few different environments that you work through in this game. Um it's just really stressful to play. 
Like that's the thing. It's it's a it's it's very an incredibly game, right? It's 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 stressful because like the sound design is so thoughtful and yeah. so like because it's like this very sparse electronic score that kind of gurgles and jumps and lurches and it like the way I like you texted me about it. You're just kind of like it's kind of confessing a lack of confidence in you to like survive each section <laughs> and on top of that everything on the planet like when you begin it just like moves and breathes and like growls in a way that you can't fully trust like and you don't know like there's like there's like kind of weird celiac structures that reach out to you you don't know whether these just touch you or whether yeah. they grab you up and yeah. and pull you towards the ceiling, like it's like there's really no, like there's that's, no way of knowing. Like, that's one of no the best encapsulations, right? The thing. So there are these big. Tent- A lot of the things in the game have tentacles, which becomes relevant later on in the game, right? But there are these things that hang from the ceiling, the tree tops, whatever. And yeah, when you brush past them, they sort of squeal and they grab you and you're like, oh, I have to kill this thing, but you can't damage it. And then you just, you wait a second, you realize that it's pulling you up to help you a little bit. Like it helps you sort of get up to areas that you can't naturally get up to just by jumping. Yeah. That's the kind of environment. It's just, you're sort of like, wait, hold on now. And yeah, I don't know. (laughs) It's just, everything is so startling. Yeah. Yeah, It's it's, because there's also, it's like, I, it's also that the uh, the world is very sparsely explained and allows you to like to explore it and it also makes for it also improves the storytelling of the game yeah um because it makes room for there's a lot of room for discovery but also a thing that i liked about it is i didn't have the issue that fallen order had which is like the falling deaths are not annoying. The platforming yeah, is easy. That, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's the platforming is easy because you learn to double jump in the first 10 minutes of the game. What a concept. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, can I drill down? You, you were saying about the two points I want to hit. One about the sound design. I think mm-hmm. one of my favorite things in this game and in a game in a long time is just how... So you, you walk into a new area, right? You'll be walking around the map you walk into an area and just immediately like 10 enemies will descend on you simultaneously. And I love that from in, in normally like games like this with lots of combat that are very shooty and where you're very powerful and you can jump and dash and all that. They, they're playing all this energetic music to make you feel really immersed in those moments. And in this game, they play music that feels like it belongs on the game over screen <laughs> before you even die. It's yeah, just like, yeah, it's just like yeah. RIP player. <laughs> and it's, just like, it's just like, oh, Celine, we all came as soon as we were sure you were dead. Yeah, it's, it, but is, it feels so invigorating, even though it feels like the game is, is kind of roasting you and being like, you're not going to survive this. You should just restart. <laughs> it it feels like it. it is. I've had also have been like rewatching Mr. Robot. And like it reminds me of the score in Mr. Robot, where it's just so anxiety inducing. Yeah. And it really pulls you in and like re it's a, it's an enthralling experience. Like I mean an engrossing experience. Like you really have to stay in the saddle in order to play this game. But I think the other thing too, you were saying about the storytelling. I it would be very easy to take a game like this where you're already dealing with space travel, so that's a 
thing people do high concept stuff with and you know there's all this weird psychological stuff with your own house being located on this alien planet it would be easy to over explain that it would be easy to have a game with a lot of you know logs that you read and all that stuff and lore etc cetera, etc cetera. and i think this game does such a good job of saying only as much as it needs to say it actually reminds me a lot of um I don't know. If, do you ever play Echo on the PlayStation 4? No, actually. I never played it. So, like, Echo is a similar thing where it's futuristic and you're in, you're on a, a distant planet and you're in a very sort of bewildering. You know, Echo is less shooty. You have, a, you have a pistol in that game and you're walking around what are basically these large palaces um that are sort of mm-hmm. procedurally generated and that are populated with enemies including like doppelgangers of yourself that if they catch you will bludgeon you to death right <laughs> and that game is so stressful cuz for instance in that game you have a pistol but it has like terrible recharging where you can fire it once and then you really have to wait before you can fire it again and two it's super loud so if you fire your pistol everyone you're calling everyone enemy- to you right. yeah the the weapons in this game are much less frustrating because there is no ammunition. There's only like they can overheat though. But when they do overheat, there's uh there's a quick mini game that like is an overlay, like that yeah. superimposes itself on the game. Uh the screen dims a little bit and there's a bar and there's a mark zone in the middle. And if you press the reload button when it, when the when the bar hits the mark zone you instantly reload your gun and you get buffs. Like, so it's kind yeah. of like the active reload in Gears of War. Yeah, yes. Um, and I think one of the trickier things with the balance in this game, right, is so I take a game like Echo, which is really stressful to play because you're really just underpowered. You really can't make mistakes in Echo. You will just die. Um, but then you you look at you look at Returnal and it looks like the opposite of that because you... You get to jump and dash, and later you get a a grappling. You get a zipline hook, and then you can walk on lava. Eventually, you can do all this stuff, and you look really powerful. And you get like a big sword after point, and it's sort of you can do everything. But the, there's the, the trade offs feel really good because on the one hand you can deal a lot of damage. On the other hand, you are built like a moth. You have no health, and you really have to jump through a lot of hoops to even get modifications to like upgrades for your health and your protection and stuff like that so it's it's like this perfect i don't know it's like finding the exact right hot sauce for you yes (laughs) that's what it is and also like it doesn't there's kind of like you have to you have to do a fair amount of thinking, but not too much thinking about like how you upgrade things. Like for instance, you can pick up things that are malignant. Like you can get a malignant key or there yeah. can be malignant obelite, which, you know, uh, repairs your suit or uh sylphium, which like regenerates your health. But like, if it's malignant, then there's a chance that it can cause a malfunction in your suit, which means that it could decrease your integrity or, um, you know, lessen the damage of your service weapons. And you have to create, you have to basically fulfill uh, objectives in order to get your stuff like back on track, which usually is like kill 15 enemies, yeah. fine X, Y, Z. But then like that could also set you back 
later in the game when you like, you know, maybe need as much integrity as you can get or as much uh, as much shielding as you can get because you're about to enter another place where there will be 10 enemies on top of you. Yeah. And it's because everything's procedurally generated and all the rooms are you like you'll you'll memorize the layout of a particular kind of room. But the every time you sort of relive the crash, the arrangement of the rooms reorganizes, right? And so that combined with what you're saying about... And also the rhythm of like the appearance of enemies too. Yeah, yeah. But it's like it's, everything is in the, in the service of making you second guess yourself, right? Whether you should take the next engagement, whether you're... Whether you're in good enough shape to go head off to the boss, whether you'll even survive the run to the boss, like whether you'll die before you even make it to the boss fight is and, always the thing. Like, and, and it's just like, I can't think of a better way to put it than the very first time that you get a suit integrity upgrade. Yeah. Which is like, you come across the way that like you come across different, uh, you know, stuff to pick up in the game is that there will be like a question mark above something on the ground. You walk up, you press triangle, and you can scan it first. But there's first a Chiron that says, like, it'll give you, uh, it'll give you something unknown object, probably beneficial, safe to approach. And so, <laughs> like, you scan it, and it's like this bed-looking thing that has green lights on it. And you're like, oh, well... Uh, once you scan it and you realize that this is something that raises the integrity of your suit, you're like, of course I'll take a health upgrade. And then you lay down and you're like, and then you have a dream and then you wake up and there's winged uh, face sucker things just flying all around <laughs> you that you have to kill. And then your integrity goes back down to half after you've upgraded it. Yeah. Things yeah. like that happen all the time in this game. Yeah. Uh, I'm having a lot of fun with it. I, it's kind of, it very much feels like the first major PS5 exclusive in that it's kind of buggy. Like, mm. it doesn't have, the, the thing about the whole reliving the crash structure of it, right? That every time you die, it's kind of part of the story, is the developers don't, like, there's not a conventional save system. You can't just be like, oh, I want to take a break. I'm going to save my game and leave. Because there's just no save menu whatsoever. The um, only thing that you can do is like trade in stuff that you've gathered to build respawn points. That's the only thing that's built into the game. But then like you can only the respawn points only exist for as long as you're like doing this current run. If you leave like if you like if you pause the game and get up to go for a walk or like if you leave if you pause the game and then you forget about it, you and you're ps5 goes into rest mode and it updates yeah you're gonna yeah. you're gonna start back at the crash site yeah it's funny because there are a lot of people online complaining about that i will say it's actually worse than that because so i have this thing where i beat the first boss and i like what will happen is the game secretly does have auto saving it's just that it saves on the the console level right and you can see mm -hmm. this if you go to like your saved management you'll see you'll, your, your sort of playstation 5 management you'll see it saving the game automatically the problem i had though was that i beat the first boss did some other stuff put it in sleep mode and then my playstation crashed like not the game but the playstation itself crashed and so when i re when i rebooted it it said hey um 
this file data, this the save data was corrupted, we had to resort to what was saved to your cloud because I have PlayStation Plus, right? But then the, the cloud save hadn't backed up for like three hours. So I had to redo that boss fight again. So that's even like, it's more than just the in-game stuff. It's also even on a console level, it's kind of spotty. Well, it, yeah. And I don't know that the, de- I, the developer has acknowledged that lots of people are complaining about this video game with no save system and lots of <laughs> but lots of like, meticulous gameplay. Really, that you... it's just a lot of like effervescent stuff with exclamation points. Like, just enjoy it as best you can. <laughs> yeah, just enjoy it. Hey, we see the complaints. <laughs> this is a fascinating conversation that our 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 players are having amongst themselves. And yeah, um, they're not copping. Please, I mean, you know, yeah, you know, they're just. <laughs> They are, they are, you know, out here bare chest, so to speak. Yes. Uh, I think it's a super fun game. I'm glad I own a PlayStation 5. I hope our listeners... I hope our listeners have a PS5 by now. I mean... I want that for you. It's been long enough. I, I, like, I want that for you. I want that happiness for you. You uh, sound only at the checkout. Don't use that. That's not a real code. <laughs> <laughs> we ain't got no pull with nobody. No, what the fuck you talking now. about? <laughs> um, you know, we did we did last week promise listeners we talk about Yasuke. I actually wrote about Yasuke for the website. Mm-hmm. Ringer.com. Go see it. But yeah, we, we'll talk about Yasuke and we'll also talk about... I started watching both uh, Jujutsu Kaisen and JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. So I guess we're going to oh, talk wow. about that in the final segment here. But, but yeah, we can get into that now. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car, Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes has arrived in IMAX. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. They stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. First of all, first of all, I would like to acknowledge that last week I repeatedly referred to Tanjiro as Tojiro. And in fact, for this... <laughs> this 
<laughs> Micah did not. I, however, did. Um, I was on my Inosuke-ish. My bad. Uh, similarly, it was funny. When I was, I was writing about Yasuke, and I was like warning my editor, Eric, I was like, listen, you have to prevent me from conflating the names Yasuke, Yosuke, and Yusuke <laughs> in this piece. And hopefully we will do that in this podcast episode as well. We were talking about Yasuke with an A mm-hmm. on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched all of it, wrote about it. You watched How Much Micah? I gave up in the fourth episode. Ooh, you said gave up. That's strong. It, okay, I didn't, I didn't give up. I was just like, I kind of like lost... I, I kind of lost steam in the fourth in the fourth episode. Can I explain Yasuke real quick? Sure. Short story. Uh, Sengoku period Japan. Yasuke, black samurai. Based on real life, Yasuke, black samurai. Came over with the Jesuits as a servant in Japan before being emancipated and, and um, serving Oda Nobunaga as a samurai. Um before Nobunaga's downfall, Yasuke goes into... In the show, this is where it sort of becomes more fictional, right? In the show, Yasuke, you know, he's a ronin, he's drunk, he's he's living in a village, he's kind of apart from this village. He just does his own thing. There's a cute boy, there's this cute little boy in the village who wants Yasuke to train him. There's a sick, quote-unquote, sick little girl in the village who actually turns out to have magical powers. Yasuke has to get her to a quote-unquote doctor who's actually a resistance leader. You know, it's... it's This is Lakeith Stanfield, by the way, so just imagine Lakeith Stanfield doing all of this. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. It is... Here's the thing. Yasuke... Well, come on, it's based on... It's based on a real-life... It's based on a real-life figure in the form of Yasuke, right? But the the notable thing is that like the journey we're describing, right? So basically Yasuke, the, the mother of this girl recruits Yasuke, who is at this point a boatsman. He's just a drunken boatsman. He's like, look, get my daughter to this doctor up north, right? And that sounds simple enough, except you have complications such as there being uh, a wisecracking mecca. Yeah, <laughs> and okay. A so, Russian bear lady I- and... Well, I mean, like, just vaguely European bear lady. She's wearing, Russian. She wearing, talks about wearing, vodka. Uh, there's, there's, like, yeah, it's, there's, there, there are a couple things that are a little bit frustrating about the show. Okay. Yeah, get into it. Um, which are that, like, it, I like the, like, okay, I like the way that you described it in your piece as an outburst, because that's what it feels like. Uh, there's, I, I, I will start by saying that I would have enjoyed this this uh, this this anime more if it was just a straightforward story about the relationship between Yasuke and Oda Nobunaga, which seems yeah. to be the more interesting part of the show. Yeah, but it begins like it's kind of like the the, the trailer that we saw like beforehand was seemed to like kind of tease that sort of anime Netflix series. Yep, and then the first minute and a half of the show there are like robots and like an elven lord riding on elephant back leading a leading a a damned army and like you know magic arrows being thrown from leagues or what like it's just kind of like what happened i don't it's just like i have no idea what's going on and then there's a 20 year time skip and 
the thing that was frustrating to me is that like it's it's difficult to know what is important in the show because there's just so much going on. I agree with you. I think it's interesting that you seized in on the like wishing wishing that they had narrowed the focus historically, right? Yes. Because you have the present day journey to see the doctor, but then you have all these flashbacks to Oda Nobunaga, right? And you're saying that historically they should have cut it to that specific period of Yasuke's life. And I think my reaction to it was I'm fine with historically them covering all those beats, but I wish they had limited all of the extracurricular magical stuff. Like, I wish they had folk, they limited yeah. themselves to the realistic stuff as opposed to the magical stuff. Um, as, and op- I think, as opposed to the, like, overtly anime stuff that's in there. Yeah, and I think the fact that you can, you can want to cut the fat on the show and you can pick, like, a lot of different ways to go about doing that kind of underscores the problem of the show, which is this show is doing 20 different things. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Both genre-wise and historically, and just in terms of what its core narrative thread is, it, it's hard to discern even what the core narrative thread of these six episodes are. Like, it's interesting too because this isn't, this isn't. Um, we're not talking about a show with ten episodes that are an hour each, right? Like, these are actually really short episodes, and there's six of them. And yet, even then, watching it, there's this sense of, oh my god, this is really hard to keep track of, honestly. And then they just end. You know, it yeah. doesn't like it's like it's doesn't it doesn't seem like any episode that's happening sets up like it just feels like, yeah, it's just it, it feels like a collection of ideas rather than like any. There are a lot of it seems as like there are a lot of fans and no writers in the room. Yeah. And I actually feel conflicted about the show because I think there are other versions of that kind of lack of writers in the room on shows even that we've talked about on this podcast where I've been like, nah, pan, right? (laughs) But here, I actually do feel I'm of two minds. And I imagine a lot of people will be of two minds where if the idea is just to do a kind of cartoon ecstasy that's supposed to feel like, like I said, an outburst. It's supposed to feel like um, an ecstatic celebration of the collision of you know, anime, right? This Japanese thing we all know and love and black pride in the form of Yasuke. I kind of get that. I kind of get the idea that you throw a mech in this show, you throw a mech into the 17th century or the 16th century because why not? This is anime. We can do this, right? You throw all this Mm -hmm. stuff in, you throw all this stuff in the sandbox and you make all these action figures that don't even go together fight each other because that's fun. I kind of get that. And I kind of imagine, I, I, I do imagine that there is a kind of person, especially like a younger viewer who might look at that and be like, yeah. find that pretty fun. But like, there is no like, like I, and I do like, I, I take what you're like, I take your point, but there's nothing that it's wrapped around. You know, <laughs> yeah, there's, no, yeah. there's no centering presence. Like for instance, it would have been fine or it would have made more sense to me like in the first episode after they did all this crazy magical mech shit in the first part and then there was a 20 year time skip and then we got a sense of what the village was like that he lived in yeah. but i mean there there's music playing over like would be conversations between him and the townspeople when we go to the bar 
we don't really see anybody or like how the bar, like how like the population moves around the town that it lives in. It's just kind of like setting up. It feels very small, you know? Yeah. I would um, like to, I would like the positive theory, a general theory of things. <laughs> if I may. Sure. I, I, I believe that there are actually two levels of suspension of disbelief, right? Mm-hmm. There's, on one level, there's the manner in which you like explain something to an audience, right? Mm-hmm. So, for instance, why is there a mech in this show that's set in 1600, right? Mm-hmm. Now, maybe you explain that to me, or maybe you don't, right? I can get with the show that says, you know what? This is just here, you know? This is just here. But if you're not going to tell me personally, if you're not going to directly communicate to me, why there is a mech in your show, you need to alternatively, so at the second level of suspension disbelief, you need to communicate to me that you know why there's a mech in your show. <laughs> exactly. I, if, I, if I don't know exactly. why there's a mech in your show, I at least have to believe that I have to, I have to read, I have to scan that confidence from you as the writer, right? I need to know that at least you know why you put a mech in your show. And I think by the end of the series, I was like, they don't know why they put a mech in this show. Yeah, that is, that's actually like a very, that's, that's, uh, that's pointed because like, for instance, Panda in Jujutsu Kaisen, like that's just a panda. And it's just like, you'd have no idea. Like they, they, it's a recurring joke that nobody knows why there's just a panda in the show, but you have that in there so that you can have the payoff like six episodes later <laughs> yeah. where Panda says, Panda is not a panda. <laughs> like Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think Yasuke is a show where you, where all these these things are set up in the beginning. It's kind of, frankly, how I talked about them, right? You have a lot of things that are set up. You have a lot of ideas, and you have a lot of wild anime ideas that are thrown out in episode one. And you're kind of like, okay, I wonder how they're going to pay this off. And then you get to mm-hmm. episode six, and you're like, oh, they never paid this off. Like the explanation, if not explanation, the the payoff at least doesn't come. It's a yeah. show that sets up a lot of things and doesn't pay them off. And yeah. I think it has some things going for it that are kind of, I don't know. I, I wouldn't recommend against this show, especially because, again, it's a, it's a relatively low investment. And there are, like, really cool sequences in it. Yeah, like, yeah. There are cool things about it. Like, there are, like, the, like the, the action animation is fun. Yeah. Like there's a like there's a bar fight that includes the 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 giant mech that goes on for a really long time and it's like fun to watch even though you I like by the end of it you have no idea what the rules or the physicality of the world that you're looking at is. Um it's still fun to watch. It's just that like it doesn't there's just not like uh, internal consistent logic. <laughs> I I will say though even though I I think that genre funk everything is in this show i think that stuff i think that ecstatic style works sometimes but the most consistently effective stuff in the show to me really is when it's a fight with yasuke and he has to pull out a blade it's not when anybody's yeah. doing magic it's not when it when you have any of the ahistorical stuff it's all it's always when it's yasuke having to kill people with a sword i think if it's the best because- stuff in the show 
Yeah, it's like that's when it really feels like the TV show that's playing on the TV in the Boondocks universe. Remember, like the 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 first the return of Stinkmeaner episode yeah, of yeah, Boondocks, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, like when they when they have like the blind the blind nigga samurai and uh, like he's uh, and and Huey's trying to explain to Granddad what the Zadoichi is. Like mm-hmm. the the animation when. Um, uh, Yasuke goes to confront the Iga clan. I was thinking about that entire time because, like, there's a frame for frame takeaway when he slices the, like, one of the, I think the Iga general, like, long ways, like, up through his head. That, yeah. That's like, that was in the Boondocks. Also, like, the Sean Thomas produces show. So, yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, you brought up Jujutsu Kaisen. Can we I, I, immediately after Yasuke, I started watching Jujutsu Kaisen. <laughs> Both produced by Mappa. There's a there's a link here. You know? um, I I will say I um because think about it. Anime wise, I had watched all of Demon Slayer, and then I was like, okay, I'm gonna keep pushing. I'm gonna go on to Jujutsu Kaisen. I find myself taking that show much slower, and I frankly find it much harder to follow than something like Demon Slayer. I feel, I feel like Demon Slayer is very straightforward. And Jujutsu Kaisen, I think the lore feels a bit more impenetrable to me or like whenever they like, can you explain a little bit the sort of basic idea of Jujutsu Kaisen? Right. So um, Jujutsu Kaisen uh, kind of exploits the factoid of there being 10,000 unexplained deaths per year in Japan. And they're just kind of like, this is due to cursed spirits. And there are cursed spirits and there are the jujutsu sorcerers who exercise them. Um, the jujutsu sorcerers are more or less like the demon slayers in that regard. But there isn't like a central... Like the demon slayers were formed as an organization in whole to defeat Muzan Kibitsuji. Like, and that is like the the end goal of the show. And you know that that's the end goal of the series is to do that. But like there isn't like really a central narrative thread uh, comparable to that in Jujutsu Kaisen. It's more so like a story about the group of main characters. Uh, and because there's Itadori Yuji who uh, saves this one uh Jujutsu sorcerer that comes to the school to exercise a cursed spirit that had been running around called Fushiguro by eating the rotting finger of Ryomen Sukuna, the king of curses, which is like basically Yuji's nine tailed demon, uh, is, is what it becomes in the show. And I'm already losing myself in the explanation here because I don't really know what the end game is. Like yeah. I'm trying, I'm trying to, like I'm trying to read through the manga right now to figure out what that is, but I still don't really know. Yeah, that's fair. I I find myself having to watch it more in the way that, you know, when I was weeb trash in my mid twenties, and I just sort of had anime on in the background constantly. Like that's kind of how I have to watch Jujutsu Kaisen, where it's like, oh, I'm writing a piece, and I got anime on, and I'm not necessarily <laughs> following the plot that faithfully. But yeah, it has like a has an art style that I like a lot. Um, I don't know. I like I like the show, but I, I feel a lot less committal to it than I did to Demon Slayer. Where Demon Slayer, I was just sort of sitting there like, oh, this is tight. Oh, okay, let's go. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, um, I mean, it is... 
a show where there are a lot of like uh the producers and the writers like espouse their fandom for certain things like clothing and film and they work it into the show in like unexpected ways and it's like it's just a fun like the characters are well thought out yeah yeah is there anything else we're we're watching reading playing lately i feel like we've gotten a lot of emails about a lot of different stuff like at one point we were only getting emails about attack on titan every single person who emailed us (laughs) and then we did the episode and now it's sort of it's you know people are bringing different things to the table when they email us at soundonlypod at gmail.com uh i also started watching jojo's bizarre adventure it's gonna be a long time before we do a podcast on that just because i feel like that's a lot (laughs) um i don't know playing returnal i also have to write about the new resident evil 8 I don't even. Are you in the Resident Evil games? No, I'm not okay. in the Resident Evil games. Uh, I love Resident Evil. I again, I'm trash. Those games are arguably trash, and I love them. Um, yeah, don't talk I, about my friend like that. Listen, Ouroboros. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that's all we got this week. Returnal, go play it. Yasuke, give it a shot. Um. I don't know. I'm Justin Charity. And I'm Micah Peters. We'll see y'all next week. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.